This is the Alcazine Brief with Peter Hoffland and Sonia Portillo. For this edition of the Oncuisine Brief, we sat down with Charlie Johnson, the CEO of ADC Bio. ADC Bio is a biotechnology company developing new process technology to speed, simplify, and significantly lower the production cost of the latest generation of novel anti-cancer blockbuster drugs called antibody drug conjugates or ADCs. I'm Peter Hofland here with Sonia Portillo, and this is the Oncuisine Brief. Directly from the floor of the 2017 edition of CPHI Worldwide, being held October the 24th till the 27th in Frankfurt, Germany. Formed in 2010, the company has commercialized and expanded facilities at St. Asp, Denbyshire into an international center of expertise in the manufacturing of ADCs and a specialist in state-of-the-art bioconjugation techniques and cytotoxin drug linker synthesis, ADC Bio offers technical services to assist drug developers to deliver next-generation ADCs and other biomolecule conjugates. ADC Bio's proprietary lock release technology aims to become a new paradigm in the way ADCs are being developed and manufactured, increasingly accessible for patients by helping to contain ADC production complexity and cost. The company's lock and release technology results in fast, simple and robust conjugation processes with the potential to eliminate several process steps while enhancing the product quality. The company's senior management and scientific team have decades of professional experience in developing ADCs, both at ADC Bio and at rival CDMOs. Several of the company's senior management were pivotal to the development and commercialization of Brentuximab Vidotin, also known as Etcetris. Today, the company is already an integral part of the growing UK's Northwest Pharmaceutical Manufacturing Hub. After the break, we'll be back with Charlie Johnson, the CEO of ADC Bio. Welcome back, and welcome to the Oncosine Brief here at CPHI Worldwide in Frankfurt, Germany. We're here with Charlie Johnson, the CEO of ADC Bio. Mr. Johnson, as the CEO of ADC Bio, you've been at the helm of a series of interesting developments in ADCs. Can you briefly describe to us what ADCs are and why they're considered so important in oncology? And then can you touch on the potential for their use outside of cancer? Yeah, sure. Good morning. Um, it's uh, it's great to have this opportunity. Um, yeah, we've been working with ADCs for um, over over ten years now. Um, our t- our team has um, ADCs. You know, came onto the scene. They're a combination of um, therapeutic uh, modalities for treating cancer in uh, in particular. Um, and they're a combination of, of biopharmaceuticals and, and small molecules. Um, and they're a very effective and targeted way of, of treating cancer. Um, and that's, that's their, that was their main interest. Um, back in the early 2000s, Mylotarg um, was launched, um, the first, first ADC. Um, and since then, there's been a huge amount of interest and a huge amount of innovation in the in the ADC space. So, essentially, these um, these things are put together uh, involving an antibody, which is the targeting part of, of of the therapeutic, and then a very potent payload, which then does the actual cell killing itself. And and these things are, are complex 
to to develop and also to manufacture and uh, we we've been essentially working in that area for the last 10 years um helping innovative companies develop um effective um, new medicines for for oncology targeted new medicines for oncology so when you uh, talk about adcs i mean right now you mentioned Mil mylotark um, there are right now four ADCs that are commercially available, right. um, at least in the United States. Um, what is your expectation for those new drugs that um, maybe come out of the next uh, couple of years? I mean, I've heard rumors, stories that next year we will have another ADC, maybe two ADCs. Um, what do you see commercially after, for example, 2018 as a trend developing? Sure. Um, I, I think it's a very interesting space that's that's, that's developing very quickly. And um, if you look historically at, at ADCs, they've been tra traditionally based around hemato hematological malignancies. And there's been a lot of success there with Adcetras, for example. Um, it's it's more difficult when it comes to solid tumours, for, for example, with CADSILA. I think the clinical case is more difficult to make for, for solid tumour settings. But certainly in the in the hematological arena, I, I can see a lot of um, a lot of progress being made and more launches. You know, it, it's arguable. Some people say seven, some people say nine, some people say in excess of 10 in the next six or seven years. And I think we'll just have to see based upon the cl clinical success exactly how many make it. But for sure, I can see two or three in, in, in the coming years, but mainly again in the in the hematological arena just now. OK, so one of the technologies that you've developed is called proprietary lock release technology. Can you briefly describe the technology and how it's helping in the development of novel ADCs? Sure. Um, we developed um, we developed lock release um, six six seven years ago now, and um, it's a very simple premise. It was we we were looking to achieve um, for for ADCs and for large biopharmaceutical molecules what the industry had done with solid phase peptide synthesis. So this is a, a very simple concept. Um, instead of working in solution phase, um, we construct ADCs on a, on a solid phase bead. And there are a number of um, advantages of that. Um, and they range from fairly simple cost reduction um, type advantages all the way through to enabling better products. So, so the key advantage of the lock release technique is its ability to control aggregation. Um, aggregation is a significant problem when developing and manufacturing ADCs. The, the drugs that tend to be used are hydrophobic in nature. The antibodies are very hydrophilic. You put the two things together and you get a, get a, or you can potentially get a big problem with aggregation. And then you don't really have a product. Working with the lock release technique solves that issue. So the, the antibodies are physically held separate from each other. The conjugation event happens on a, in a solid phase state. And it's only at the point that you need the ADC released that you have a, a, a problem to control. And that's a, a much more controllable problem at that point because you can release the ADCs into a stabilized uh, formulation matrix. So, and this is only in the production of the ADC or is it also when the ADC is in, in solution to go to the hospital or clinic or anything? It's, it, it's, it's throughout because you can essentially, we, we, we haven't done this um, uh, routinely yet, but um, if you have a particularly problematic ADC, for example, 
some of the newer payloads like dorcomycins and PBDs are particularly problematic in this respect. You can make an ADC using the lock release technique and you can essentially keep it attached to the bead up until the point that you want to use it. So it, it has a supply chain management side to it as well. Um, <clears throat> but essentially it, it delivers benefit throughout the whole development cycle. So one of, one of the things that we've found with utilizing the lock release technique with, with the innovators is we can very, very quickly produce small milligram quantities for them to do in vitro testing with. And those are very, very clean products. You don't get the same issues that you do with conventional solution phase where you've got a mixture of the ADC plus free drug. And that's a problem when you come to do in vitro testing because you don't know where the effect is coming from. Utilizing the, the lock release approach, you, you produce an ADC which is very clean and it's only the ADC, no free drug. So very much speeds up that initial phase. Then when you get into the development phase, it allows you to select the optimal payload. So one of the things that we see with the duocromycin and PBD developers is that they focus on only the drugs that actually you can conjugate. They're not necessarily the best ones in terms of efficacy. You use the lock release technique, you let the biology select the best product, not the product selecting what you can actually make. So, so we see lock release as a, a really a, an enabling tool as much as a production enhancing tool. Right. So after the break, we'll be back with uh, ADC Bios CEO, Charlie Johnson. Welcome back to the Youngers in Brief, here live at CPHI 2017 in Frankfurt. We're talking with Charlie Johnson, the CEO of ADC Bio, about his company and how the technology his company has developed helps the development of antibody drug conjugates, or ADCs, a new kind of drug class in the treatment of cancer and potentially in other diseases beyond cancer. So when you look at some of the technology that you are developing, what kind of challenges do you see in the development of ADCs um, and, and how does your product solve it? I think you already ref referred to something like that before the break, but maybe you can actually uh, allude a little bit further. Sure. So as, as you're well aware, um, you know, historically ADCs have found their, their, their advantage in, in the area of oncology. And so what we see um, happening in the market right now is that oncology is still going to be the focus moving forward, but there are also other indications like inflammatory diseases, like uh, antimicrobial, um, hard to treat antimicrobial um, settings that ADCs can be utilized in. The other really, really interesting area that I think that's, that's coming up as well is that ADCs are seen as a, a very targeted approach for the treatment of, of cancer, but they are um, there's still some issues in terms of off-target effects with ADCs. And one of the key trends that we're seeing is the, the rise of bispecific ADCs. And um, we, we're starting to work with a lot of early-stage companies now looking to um, effectively make that targeting even more precise. And we see a lot of activity in, in that space. And it's um, not just um, intact full-length antibodies, it's, it's fragment antibodies and, and, and single-chain proteins. So we're increasingly working 
in those areas. And we're increasingly applying lock release in those areas as well. Um, because they, they become, it becomes a very effective way um, of iteratively constructing a format, a bi-specific format, for example. You mentioned the fact that um, ADCs may go beyond oncology. Um, earlier this year, we were talking to somebody from a different company, and basically they're, they're looking at the development, or they're developing right now ADCs that are designed not to be used in, in, in an oncologic kind of situation. One of the, 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 the problems that they refer to was the fact that your linker technology need to be different. Um, one of the issues they, may, they refer to is that maybe in an oncology solution or a hematological kind of application, um, you may, a bystander effect may be beneficial. Yeah. Um, however, if you look at, at other kind of applications, a bystander effect may not be um, in a, an advancement. It may even work against the, uh, the, uh, the tri- solution that you try to find. Can you maybe allude a little bit, explain a little bit how that works, for example, with your technology or, I mean, some of the benefits that you see or some of the changes that you may see that are required in ADCs? Sure. And <clears throat> we work um, very broadly across uh, a number of different conjugation platforms. So so we work with um, traditional lysine type conjugation chemistries, cysteine conjugation chemistries, and these are all different linker um, technologies. Um, and, and, and people have different views on that. And you, you mentioned the bystander effect, and, and that can be very sort of beneficial, um, in, in, in certainly in solid tumor settings, I think. Um, but when it comes to um, things that need to be very, very more precisely controlled, and you perhaps don't want a bystander effect, that's a very different problem that you're talking about because once you've effectively um, internalized an ADC into a target cell and 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 the the ADC becomes dissociated you've then got the problem of the of the free drug whether you want it or not and and really I think the solution to that problem is is going to be if you if you want a very very targeted effect in something that's not oncology based you're going to have to have that that actual drug part of it dissociating and um, and, and becoming ineffective um, systemically at the point that it's internalized. And I think that's a very different situation than the one that we have in oncology right now. But our technology, the lock release platform, works across all different types of linker chemistries, different payloads, different methods of, of conjugation. Okay, now I want to look back at the lock and release technology. What are some of the advantages offered for bioprocessing in, for example, quality improvement, cost savings, efficacy? Right, sure. So uh, the, 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 the way I look at lock release is it, it, it delivers value in, in two ways. Um, one is in terms of productivity. So um, in a lot of cases, we utilize the technique to enhance product quality and yield. So again, it's related to the aggregation issue, um, but if you've got a highly aggregated system, you can utilize the lock release technique to effectively increase yield. Increased yield directly um, equates to lower production costs because you, you need less antibody, you need less payloads, and these things are incredi- incredibly valuable in their own right. So there's a, an immediate sort of cost benefit there. The other way that we see that it, it adds value in terms of productivity is that every process that we manufacture using the lock release technique looks exactly the same. 
we have a column which contains the, the lock release beads, we have a process that flows through it. And, and so the footprint that we, we occupy is exactly the same for every ADC that we produce. That's completely different to conventional solution-based processing where you can have a, a very extensive, um, <laughs> extensive equipment train. Um, so so, so we, we can effectively make more ADC per square meter than you can conventionally. So that's one, that's one way that we utilize it. The other way that we um, extract value out of the lock release technique is, again, making products that you can't otherwise make by conventional means. If you get a system that aggregates by 20 or 30%, it's effectively not tenable as an ADC. Um, you, you have to remove the aggregation and, and perversely, sometimes actually removing the, aggregate, the, the aggregated product produces more. So we see it as a, as a product enabling technology as well at, at, in that respect. And that's a, a situation where it's, it's more difficult to predict exactly what the value is going to be. And it's very much a case by case basis. Now, so I'm uh, talking about some exciting news also here uh, at CPHI um, and some of the announcements that were made earlier this year. Um, was one of the things that you secured an investment uh, for the construction of an 11 million bioconjugation facility in D side, North Wales. Um, tell us a little bit about this. I mean, what does it mean for you as a company? What does it mean for the industry? So uh, we've been producing um, R&D scale ADCs for the last six years. And we have a portfolio of clients now ranging from small, innovative biotech customers, universities, all the way through to big pharma companies. And we've been providing those services over the last six years. And we've really made this investment um, on the basis of encouragement from them to then take the next step into manufacturing for, for clinical purposes. And we saw it as a great opportunity as well to provide a platform for our lock release technology. So manufacturing using that. Um, and we've, uh, we've, as you say, secured a, an $11 million investment to, um, to, to, to fit out an existing facility in North Wales over the next 12 months to provide clinical manufacturing services um, for ADCs and even small scale commercial manufacturing of ADCs. And I think that that will be quite revolutionary for the industry because it will open up the ability to manufacture um, more, more freely and more effectively utilising the lock release technique, but it will also provide much needed capacity in the industry because you know, year on year we're seeing somewhere between 12 and 15 new um, ADCs coming into the, into the clinic. And, and there simply isn't enough capacity in, in manufacturing right now. So maybe changing the subject a little bit, um, if you um, look at the supply chain of ADCs, um, there, there, is a, there are some complexities involved in that. Um, one of the things that I hear when I talk to people from different companies um, is that they um, are very keen on the an analytical process and the transfer of um, the methodology involved in, in the analytical process. Um, can you explain a little bit about the importance of that, maybe for if you transfer ADCs or the complexity involved with the transfer of ADC technology from one area to another area in a production or in, an, in a trial situation? Sure, yeah. So 
We, you know, we've invested already heavily in the area of, of analytics, and you're absolutely right. It is the critical thing to, to, to get right. It's your eyes and ears of everything that you're doing. But that's established at a very early stage, so in the in the R&D phases that we currently work in. And, and we have a, a whole fleet of analytical techniques that we, we run in-house, but we also have partners that we use for specialist techniques like mass spec, for example. Um, and, and we work with a number of, 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 of different partners in, in that respect. It's about having those right partners. It's about having partners which are um, um, au fait and familiar with the unique needs of analytics in, in the ADC arena. As part of our expansion, we will be uh, expanding what we do in, in terms of analytical support. And uh, you know we see that very much as a, a critical part of any um, partnership that we have with an innovator. So we can either in-house develop things or we, um, in other cases, transfer methods that are already established. Looking here at your, we're now TPHI here. Um, looking at TPHI, you've been probably walking around a little bit. Um, what are some of the things that you've noticed about uh, the ADCs in terms of different companies, in terms of different technology, in terms of, of, of solutions being offered um, to the industry? What excites you when you are actually walking around here? Um, you see a lot of people saying that they want to or, or do work with ADCs. And um, in a lot of cases, that's, um, I think, more of a wish than anything else. I mean, I think that our industry has had two or three key vendors in it for the last 10 years. And that's still what I see. All the clients that we work with all work with, with the same one or two vendors. Lots of people make a lot of noise about ADCs. Very few actually do anything meaningful, I think, in, in that space. And I think that's one of the things that sets us apart is that we are an ADC specialist. That's what we do. We're not part of a bigger um, CDMO type group who are doing lots and lots of things. We're a specialist and people know us for that. And they also know the other vendors that actually do a good job in, in that arena. ADCs is a buzzword. Um, everybody wants to be associated with it. Very few actually do it meaningfully. So earlier we were talking about the company's move into clinical and commercial ADC manufacturing, and you mentioned the new facility. Will you tell us a little bit more about that? Just give us some more details on how that's changing what you're doing? Sure. So we, over the last um, six weeks, have secured a um, 70,000 square foot, 6,500 square meters site at Deeside in North Wales. It's, it's just literally over the border into to Wales. Um, so it's, a, it's about an hour from, um, from places like Manchester and, and Liverpool. Um, and we're looking to consolidate our existing um, R&D capabilities, which are, are based in St. Asaph, North Wales, into the, into the site. So R&D will be coming there. We are investing in dual stream manufacturing, um, in, in the first phase of our expansion. We're investing in quality control and, and quality assurance. Um, and 
In the first instance, we will be occupying up to about 30% of that footprint. Um, and, and that was a key um, driver in, in, in where we were looking to go and, and the facility that we were looking for. It's, I think it's very important um, in ADCs that we have rapid ability to expand and to meet our customers' um, demands. Because um, if you look at the, the story with Adcetris, you know that this, this product was fast-tracked. And it was it was very rapidly um, moving from small R and D scale to, to full manufacturing scale of you know batches of up to half a kilo a kilo. So it's it's important that we have the the capability and the footprint on hand to rapidly uh, react to, to to changes in in the market for our customers. So that that's the reason for 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 such a such a big footprint. Um, we have plans um, to, to to move beyond the initial first phase of expansion and we are considering also going downstream in terms of moving into into formulation of ADCs as well. So we've got a conceptual design program running um, for that as well. The interview you've just heard with Charlie Johnson, the CEO of ADC Bio, was originally recorded on October 26, 2017 during CPHI Worldwide, which is being held October 24th through 26th in Frankfurt, Germany. For more information about ADC Bio, please visit the company's website at adcbio.com. We know that based on this interview, you may have questions, so please submit your questions to our editorial team via Facebook or Twitter. We'll post as many answers as we can on our website oncozine.com, that is O-N-C-O-Z-I-N-E.com, as well as adcreview.com. Thank you all, and thank you for listening, and join us again for our next episode. I'm Peter Hofland, here with Sonia Portillo, and this is the Ongusin Brief. The Ongusin Brief was produced for Sun Valley Communication by Peter Hofland, Sonia Portillo, Evan Wint, David Kaler, and Sean Mayer, and distributed by PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and InPress Media Group. Support for the Oncozine Brief comes from our listeners and commercial underwriters. For more information about underwriting options, contact Sean Mayer at 949-923-1660 or visit our website at oncozine.com forward slash underwriting. The Oncozine Brief contains health and medicine related information and is provided for educational and informational purposes only. The content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical or health advice and does not replace your doctor's advice. Your doctor is the best person to answer questions about your personal health. If you hear something in this program that doesn't agree with what your doctor has told you, ask him or her 